Welcome to Running It Back, the lessons learned from sports podcast. We're here to talk about redemption. We're here to talk about basketball. NBA season has just begun. We're going to try to make some connections to what's happening today, but mostly we're going to be looking back at the Redeem team. We're going to be talking about Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, lots of things to talk about. We'll get to all that in a minute. Tarlin Ray, how are you doing today? Prep was, prep was interesting today. Mm. Um, halfway through prep, I, I think I might have said to you and use a colorful word, don't mess with me, Paul. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad we didn't hit record at that moment. We had a little more time after that to yeah. let it breathe. And we right. had to, of course, hit other topics that had nothing to do with what we're about to talk about. I was trying to bring out your Mamba mentality. Always an enjoyable 35 minutes, but I do. You asked how I'm doing. I'm, I'm doing fantastic. And I want to talk about something that sort of real unlock for me. I want to talk about the calendar. Mm. In order to talk about your, your calendar, I actually started to think about the number of ways in our life that we have to communicate and why the calendar becomes so important. So if you're at work, at least for me, I have work email teams if people use my yeah. call, teams you can use slack and other things team shout, chat shout out to satya who's a listener yeah all, all right teams yeah. chat <laughs> a long time listener yeah yeah if you're then on teams video calls you have video but you also have chat within the video calls so you Correct. have chat in video calls but also chat outside of the calls happening yeah and then you have the phone someone may call you which is vastly unusual i do not have a business they also, could they slack you as well? Or are you, are you, I don't have slack. slack it's, it's, you're no slacks. Well, wow. because it's teams. Teams is. Yeah. Teams right. is. I sure. Kind of. Yeah. Kind of, and a little bit. A little not bit. Close. And teams, by the way, how do you not have a thumbs down emoji? I just want to be able to haze oh, people. Wait. With all, all flowers. All, all love. Sunshine, all rainbows. Yeah. Not, not, not I, thumbs down. Although LinkedIn just let, added laughs. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, just uh, Once again, why does everything have to be so sunny? On the other side of the ledger, personal life, mm. personal email, text. You can still also, by the way, get text business from yeah. your business, your colleagues and mm. personal mm -hmm. phone calls, yeah. WhatsApp, LinkedIn messages, which yeah. is a disaster. Like, why am I trapped in this box? Yeah. And then for you cool kids who may snap talk and interface yeah. and all those others. So I'm counting 10 ways to communicate and that's happening all the time yeah all day mm -hmm. and so the calendar becomes even more important in life mm -hmm. and i had to get a huge shout out to katie johnson who's works on the team with me and this executive assistant and she i don't know how she does her job she actually says it's fun it's almost like a logic game a like little bit tetris it's, it's tetris in time tetris. Yeah. And then you know what, know what I do? I dump something into an open slot and her whole tetris <laughs> her Jenga falls yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. But I will say, I say it to my kids, say it to my wife, you got to put it in the calendar because I don't know, like we can't stay focused and we yeah. have too many ways to interact, too many ways to communicate. And we're constantly context switching and, mm -hmm. and we, we no ability just to focus on the task at hand. So yeah, yeah. this is a huge shout out to calendars. And I know Calendly out there yeah. really is a shout out to those folks who are trying to man manage and manipulate all the various meetings and keep things, keep things moving. So yeah. I'm still looking for the life hack that can help me have all this flow 
flow seamlessly into one place because truly at work, when I'm at work, I have literally no idea what's going on in the personal life and I pay catch up. Mm. I feel like I'm constantly behind. Like you didn't see my email. I'm like, please text me. I can't. Yeah. Today. Yeah. Yeah. If you did today. You said, I know you don't read emails. So let yeah. me text you. Right. This one's so 530 Pacific time. So I, I wasn't sure you were going to be checking your Gmail. I've been prepping since 430. There you go. There you go. Right. But yeah. And, and then for me, you know, shout out to folks on the Halloween front. This show should be dropping right around Halloween and having a three-year-old almost four-year-old for Halloween has been entertaining. We thought we were going to hold out. You can only hold out so long around kids wanted to dress up in costumes, get candy, and have a good time. So happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. I saw you have a long history of Halloween costumes. We could perhaps, you know, talk about that on another episode. Today, we're talking about the Redeem team. Got to do a little context setting for folks you know, this show came together when The Last Dance was on ESPN and then now it's on Netflix. There's a new, relatively new sports documentary out called The Redeem Team on Netflix. You've watched it twice. I've watched it once recently. Lots of lessons to be learned. The Redeem Team 2008 U.S. men's basketball team is assembled. They go to Beijing to reclaim the U.S gold medal which was lost in 2004 lots of connections across the full span of basketball history we're going to try to run it back to different spots on the timeline where do you want to get started darling well it's super interesting i mean we u.s dominated men's hoops for years and dominated with amateurs and felt there was never a need to actually bring pros into the game the spark happened in 1988 losing to the SSR, mm -hmm. that was the final nail in the coffin. And that's what sparked the dream team in 92. Mm -hmm. And as most people, some would say, and it's in a documentary, it was actually a great marketing platform for the NBA and not necessarily yes. for the US. And so we all love the dream team, still willing to forgive Barkley for what he did to that Angolan uh, <laughs> We weren't necessarily all class, right? And we were whipping up on people, but it was good to be back on top. And for we had a run after that where the U.S. was still, you know, we went 96, 2000, we still were on top in 2004. And it's interesting for those who are NBA junkies, like my favorite time of year is watching NBA draft and hearing Jay Billis talk about wingspan. Yeah. And it was fascinating because you used to know all the players, but then as you get into the late 90s, you start to see a real influx of international players coming coming in, the Ginobili's yeah. and the Bitskis, mm -hmm. Al later. And so 2004 was truly the year that the world caught up and caught up in a game that we thought was ours, back to James Naismith and the Peach Basket. Yeah, And that 2004 team losing to Greece, taking the bronze, was a full reset for USA Basketball. Now, granted, if you read the names of the players in that 2014, it doesn't scream to you domination post 9-11 and our entry into the Iraq war. There wasn't a lot of interest by uh, NBA players to go overseas. They didn't feel like they were safe. They were tired and, and it sort of lost the luster because their dream team, we had a little bit of run and like, we're back. They were staying in a cruise liner in the port of Athens 
they were not staying in the Olympic in village. order to be protected. So yeah. they truly were in their own. They were they were in the bubble before there was a bubble. Correct. Think about they were on a cruise line, which was they were in a super spreader space. <laughs> oh my god! And they lost to Greece. You're saying in Athens, they did lose to Greece. Today. Interesting. 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 It was well. Was it a homer like 1972 when we lost? We'll, we'll revisit 2004. Yeah. But uh, we had players like Sean Marion, Mecca Okafor. Um, we had Lamar Odom, Richard Jefferson. These are fine players in their own right, but these are not the top NBA players. So not only do we go with the team that we, we had to almost beg people, and, and late in the game, Dwayne Wade, Carmelo Anthony, LeBron James are asked to play, even though LeBron just finished rookie year, and he's like, I, I hadn't proven anything. We had those mix of characters going out to play in 2004, and the hard-nosed coach in Larry Brown who was Iverson's coach at the time, coaching this team of misfits. Yeah. So that sets the stage. We are, we are on, on rock bottom as bronze medalists. <laughs> yeah. I mean, keep in mind. Win the bronze. Yeah. So this documentary is, is pretty good, and we've gone deep on it a couple of times. If you haven't done it, you can keep up, but you can probably keep up better if you have also watched uh, the Redeem team. And I guess there are some spoilers coming if you haven't i mean that their name is the redeem team so you might get a sense that there's did they redeem themselves there might be some redemption but that was the other thing i wanted to just uh hit on really the redeem team i think is a nice name building off of the dream team they got something that rhymed with uh dream team redeem i'm slow sometimes i rhyme quick right but it made me think there actually are a few sharif Abdur Rahim teams. I just can't. And we could also potentially this is just natural for him. Put a few other Ross. I was thinking, could you do an extreme team that's built around like you know Rashid Wallace, uh, Dennis Rodman? Uh, maybe you put Marbury in at uh, a point guard. I'm not sure, but just, I feel like there's more thoughts that this kicks up around roster construction and thinking about how. You put a team together, think about what it means to win, what it takes to come together as a team, what leadership means. But when you talk about redemption, it's not just for USA basketball. It's also for the captain of the Redeem team, one Kobe Bean Bryant. I know Kobe has a place in your heart. You've kept it together so far. I mean, our listeners might want some emotional vulnerability from you when you talk about Kobe. I'm just, I'm just going to put it out there. He really. This documentary is about him. It's it's Kobe's redemption in a lot of ways. And interestingly, from 2008, where he does play his teammate, Pau Gasol, to interesting effect. We'll come back to that a little bit more later. But coming out of this run in Athens in 2009 and 2010, Kobe wins two more championships coming right out of this experience. In some ways, it's reminiscent of Michael's ascendance back with the dream team although michael wound up retiring and it's a longer story but does draw a lot of connections between kobe and michael also kobe and lebron who he is playing with on this team i know kobe has a place in your heart and i know this time you know we were both pretty locked in to the basketball world in 2008 thoughts on the players and talking about the makeup of the team in 2008 yeah so this uh, 
I mean, we are basketball junkies. Highly recommend watching this. The reason this is real life soap opera. I love a team that has to prove themselves. And just uh, and jump in it real quick. It's like 88 minutes or something. We're not talking about yeah, it's, 10 it's like hours quick, of quick the watch, last dance. Watch. Like you're in, you're out. You'll quiet, cry your laugh. It, and Net, Net, Netflix uh, does have a 1.5X. I'm saying Netflix needs to go to two, Tarlin. I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> 1.5 was fine the second yeah. time around. Yeah. But there's something to be said. These guys, and I think Shisefi, Coach K, was probably the perfect coach. These guys are on the top of the world. They're top of the world in, uh, for their various teams. And to come together and have to fight and like relearn the game that they think they already know. That was the part that was most fascinating to me. Post 2004, as you walk through the cycle, they have to A, first commit to three years. Instead of just showing up every year and trying to act together, act like a team. Mm -hmm. One of the things that Colangelo, who took over USA Basketball and had all decision-making rights for team construction. And Coach K realizes all the other teams, you watch Greece, you watch uh, Argentina, you watch Spain, they've been playing together for years. Yeah. And so the culture that was created, uh, you can't manifest that in two weeks of playing pickup and scrimmaging each other yeah. and going to play against the world. So they knew unless they could get guys to commit, and commit for an extended period of time. Imagine they're going through an 82-game season. A lot of these guys are going through the playoffs, and they got to show up in the summer mm. and then recommit themselves to qualify for the Olympics in 2008. That part, to me, was the most fascinating. And I give it up to, we'll talk about other GMs and, and architects, I give it up to Clanjo and Coach K, mm. making in order to change the way that we operate, we have to do things a different way. And you have to learn from people are doing it better than you. And so I think that was a humbling moment for USA, which you wouldn't normally see. They were vocal about it. They broadcasted what they need and they were, they were a consistent of people. They got a sense that someone wasn't in, then those players weren't playing. So that to me, just ground level, that was super fascinating to watch because you're watching the greatest players in the world being humbled, one. And then two, they were almost learning how to walk and run again because the international game the ball itself, the goaltending rules, yeah. fouls were totally different. And they had to literally deconstruct themselves and put themselves in the shoes of, of their competition. I, yeah. I thought that was one of the best parts of the other G team. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, don't get me started on Fahrenheit versus Celsius, but if the key is a trapezoid, you're kind of in trouble. I'm not even going to talk about the, the bicolored basketball with a different number of grooves. It's like, how many ways do you want to just mess with people who've been playing American basketball for years? American. We know how to do it. We kind of perfected the art. Why do you have to give us additional resistance? But we did build in the, you train against the game dynamics that you're going to be playing in. And you got to think of yourself on more of a, a level playing field. But yeah, I wanted to read real quick, Tarlin, the definition of redemption. One the act of saving or being saved from a sin, error, or evil, God's plans for the redemption of his world. Two, the action of regaining or gaining possession of something in exchange for payment or clearing a debt. The peasants found the terms of redemption unattractive. It's an interesting mm. sentence they decided to include there. 
But the idea is that there was a wrong, there was a sin, there was a debt to be paid. We needed to redeem ourselves. To me, aside from just the narrative element there, which is something that comes through the importance of narrative and having a story and the way that Coach K and, and Colangelo were building the story of Team USA and how they're going to have to come back in terms of the narrative structure of a redemption story for motivation. In many ways, the dream team was the same story. They were redeeming a really terrible team from 1988, which is just a bunch of college kids playing against grown men. This is also right at the tail end of the Cold War, right before the Berlin Wall went down. A bunch of U.S. college kids went to Seoul, Seoul, Korea. But they're playing against grown men. They're playing against Sarunas Marcelonis. They're playing against NBA quality players. And they were just outclassed. And that's where we said, well, we've been holding it back. This is like after Hold Me Back. We've been like, we've been playing left-handed. Turns out we're actually right-handed or right. vice, vice versa. We unleash, we release the Kraken in 92. We, we send everybody crush. Jordan famously in 96 says, you know, Heading into 96, I don't think I'm going to play. I'm going to give other people a chance to win the gold medal. You know, people are just, you just want to end because if you're part of Team USA, you're going to win a gold and it's nice. It's on your resume. And then we screw up again in 2004. My point is, Tarlin, everybody loves a good redemption story. We got to find motivation. Thoughts on motivation and redemption, lessons learned from what you saw here. It seemed like to me, these players were really motivated around that redemption story and the idea that they would have to play together in new ways to really achieve new heights. We try to make connections to lessons learned outside of sports. There was a lot of that for me in the Redeem team. Thoughts on the redemption tale, the redemption story? Yeah, I think a couple of things. The players were sick of getting punked and that loss whether you lose for the Nuggets at the time, Carmelo or the Cavaliers, it carries less weight than what they felt like losing on the national stage. And they, we... they, they were wearing laurels. They were standing on the bronze platform. They had to stand there yep. and just suck it up. At least for a ring ceremony, you're probably not going to have to be there. And if you are, it's at halftime. You can kind of duck it. They're standing there with laurels. And then keep in mind, LeBron, D. Wade, and Mello, and also Boozer is always included. You, you forget that yep. Boozer yeah, was Booz, was part of the story. That whose who's son, twin sons, or one of his sons is got a top five uh, prospect in high school right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. But the fact that they early in their careers, you know, the 2014, which we should spend a little more time on, was just constructed so terribly. Like yep, it was constructed to self destruct and to create like ill will. There was nobody there who was going to kind of pull that team together, which is why it's stunning to me that Kobe was exactly the right guy to stir that drink. But you, you haven't let me answer the question you asked before. We talked about the architect and Colangelo before. I think that Coach K, and you can see him firing its due coach and whatever you want to say about it. I think that he was the perfect guy. And if you listen to the way he set the stage, it's not about you, LeBron. It's not about Kobe. It's not about the individual. It's about the team. And basically, 
You needed to do whatever, whether or not you're going to be the leading scorer or you're on the bench, none of that matters. And I think part of our redemption, we had this sense of this era of cockiness, individualism, and we lost what it meant to connect as a team, as a unit. You can say for that probably 2004 team, there's no I in team, but there's an M and an E. And there was a lot of, lot of me uh, on that team. So I do think in order to go through this process without Coach K setting the mm -hmm. stage, then they wouldn't have gone to where, they, where they're going. But remember, this Redeem team wasn't put the team together and immediately they got to where they go gold medal. They had to get to the world championships. Right. They lost. They took the bronze in the world championship, which meant because they didn't win in the world championship, they still had to go through a qualifying stage yeah. Yeah. in order to make the Olympics. So that's the world championship loss is with the team constructed and Dane Dwayne Waits back, LeBron. Mm -hmm. And after taking that loss and after seeing that they're still getting beat, as Dwayne Wade said, they're playing pick and roll basketball, which is the NBA basketball, and they're kicking our butt in the game that we think we know how to play. Yeah. It was at that point that Coach K and Colangelo, they said we needed some older players to bring this team back together because they still knew that the culture wasn't there. And that's when they went to Kobe. Right. So they poured the drink that Kobe became the straw to stir. <laughs> Shout out to Reggie Jackson. But if you look at the chemistry, if you just like to watch sports and sports documentaries to get into the chemistry question, which is a huge one. How do you build team chemistry? How do, how do teams gel? How do they work right and wrong? What are the dynamics that work and don't? This is, this is a character study off the charts, interesting in terms of how the tactics Kobe's adopting versus those that LeBron and Dwayne Wade and others adopt. It's really fascinating the way Kobe comes in and the way he sort of establishes himself. What tactics did he use and any like lessons learned or any any new dimensions to Kobe or existing aspects to how we understood him that were like fleshed out with some more depth here? Yeah, Kobe is super complicated. Prior to those back 2008, he was not well-loved, as they said in the documentary, you know, we had a three-peat in LA and then Shaq and Kobe couldn't get along. Kobe had his own issues in Denver, sexual assault. Mm -hmm. Kobe, during that time, alleged, and I, it did happen, he threw Shaq under the bus to the police, which till this day, that does not sit well with me. Why are you putting someone else's when you're in trouble? And so he was a loner and he was looking for a trade from LA. Mm -hmm. And so talk about a risk taking someone, I still, you have it in team dynamics. You have someone who's an uber talent, but can be so disruptive to the team dynamics and you struggle because you want to keep that uber talent around, but you're trying to figure out, is it more important to have someone who can three X the workload, or is it more important to have someone who's a one time, but then the team structure the gel is there. And so I thought it was a, a massive risk to bring on someone like Kobe, who has his own redemption story, but also is surly, mm -hmm. is not someone that is going to be a rah-rah guy. And so I can only imagine the conversations that I know Coach K has known Kobe since high school because he recruited him to, to Duke. Yeah. The conversation that Calandrell and, and Coach K had to have to say, are you in? 
probably fascinating. But then Kobe coming in and then truly committing himself to the team. And the first way he did that, and you talked about the way that he showed his leadership style was in the first practice with the team where he literally was trying to dominate on defense. Every loose ball in everyone's face and bringing energy. And you could hear Coach K say, we had never had a practice like this before. It just set the tone. And so that's just an interesting moment for Kobe, for a lot of these guys. And there's some reporters, uh, Bill Plaschke and others that know Kobe. He has no friends in the NBA. He truly is a lone wolf. Mm. And for a lot of these guys to see him and his intensity up, up close, but also to see the best player in the NBA at that time. I know there were debates, but Kobe, three rings, he was the best player. To, to basically, to be the hard hat guy, the one who's told do sweep the floor, you know, pick up after everyone else and will be all over the court. I think that set a tone, really set a tone for the redeemed team. Yeah, yeah. He would almost sweep the leg too in terms of strike first, strike fast, no mercy from the Black Mob. Controversy about that movie where you're not allowed to strike in the face. Yeah. I just read this, but then at the end, the kick is to the face and it scores oh. the point. That is a little... I, can you you'll never be able to watch karate kid again yeah. the same way yeah kudo or, tomachio for being able to run this franchise out on netflix He's, it's pretty uh, good too it's kind of entertaining but but it does talk about you know why i brought up cobra kai is that some of the tactics later on in the story when they're advancing and they wind up playing spain the signature moment of the redeem team and this documentary is kobe and pal gasol I want you to walk us through what it felt like to watch that the first time. I know you watched it twice, but can we just set up that scene? Because uh, if folks haven't seen the Redeem team, you should at least look up the beginning of the finals in 2008. Not when... the finals. This oh, is sorry, the semifinals, right? Yeah. No, not the semis. They're playing oh, to get to. This is they're, they're, they're in the bracket. There you so go. This is before they're in the pool play. Mm -hmm. They're playing. I'm pretty sure it's Greece in the semis, again, to redeem sort of their prior loss yeah. in 2004. They do play Spain in the finals, but before that, to get to the uh, final four, they are playing Spain. Spain, don't sleep on Spain. They have the Saul brothers. They have Ricky Rubio, Navarro, Fernandez, Rudy Fernandez, who yeah. has one of the goes off. Thickest, sickest dunks of the game over Dwight Howard. Mm -hmm. But they're playing Spain and Kobe and power tight Kobe with his Italian upbringing, speak Spanish, like they are, that's the Lakers core. And mm -hmm. that unity will, as you said, bring them two more championships with the two of them. But Kobe before the game against Spain and Kobe's an introvert and LeBron, you get to see, you get to see LeBron's personality yeah. really brings Kobe out in a way like he is. He's really, a court jester. I didn't realize. Yeah, yeah. more more a part of the team. Chris Bosh is pretty funny as well. He's too, really so, funny. So, yeah, uh, yeah. And then Carmelo's drip, man. You oh. gotta Carmelo's drip, just green on green on green, man. I'm I am I'm here. <laughs> but Kobe goes over to Powell's to visit Powell, sees all the teammates, and Powell's like, oh, and his teammates like, oh, it's so cool, Kobe's here. And then Powell, looking back, says that was probably part of Kobe's strategy. But in the game, obviously, Kobe and the team, they've done a lot of film study. 
they know when they run the first play, they're going to set multiple picks. Kobe will be coming off a pick as he's guarding his player, trailing his player, and Powell will be the last pick. And he told the team, watch this, I'm going to run through Powell's chest. And he's like, well, you know, LeBron, you, you still, it was yeah. so cool. LeBron, doing like, come watch your boy. Yeah. I got to run through his chest. Yeah. And listen, I played at a much lower level as a guard. When you have big men setting screens, I would always try to feign like I didn't see it and try to lower my shoulder into yeah. the rib, right? Into the into the gut because it's it a little it's a little bit like the, the uh, like breaking up the double play back. You're trying like to break, you're trying you to could break it up. Yeah, yeah. trying not to be dirty, but you gotta gotta yeah. you gotta put your body in them. So you know, they're, I don't want them creating all the all the contact. Like the play at the plate. Yeah, correct. But Kobe, I'm not, I mean he saw the screen and just blew him up first play this is like first, first play game blue blue like off like decleated pow on his ass we love to say ass on the show pow on his ass and in the nba he probably couldn't find yeah reject but no just a foul and it set the stage for that game they they blew out spain yeah. in that round by 37 points but but what did it mean one and as Shasesi said, I'm not losing. Someone's going to have to shoot me, but I'm not losing. Right. And Kobe set the tone for his team. It's like, you are my brothers. Mm -hmm. He is my brother too, but I'm, I'm here for the team and I'll do whatever it takes to set the tone. Yeah. And Carmelo said, when that happened, like the energy on the team just totally changed. Like, oh, wow. And so if you do anything, yeah, any sports fans, just fast forward to Kobe blowing up Powell. It is, yeah. I've never seen anything like it. Oh my God. Told people he was going to do it. And obviously there's still boys, but I thought it was a, it was a massive tone setter just for that game and for the rest of uh, their run. Yeah. It made, it made me think about the fact that he then went on to win with Powell. In some ways it was a message to Powell as well, where he would know that is how he is with the guys he's running with. Yep. It'll be much better when I'm on his team because of that level of intensity. It's tough to be on the other side, but it is that level of like the leadership never stops. And the message is like the fact that he had to be thinking ahead to know this is exactly what's going to happen. He could just picture it in his mind, which is the other real tragedy around losing Kobe is like some of the, the film work and some of the breakdowns that he was just starting to do right before he died were really next level analysis and they sort of got us inside his head which demonstrated a level of you know thoughtful intensity it was very focused and smart but it was also not just about him this wasn't about kobe scoring this wasn't even about i guess it was about the intensity with which you're playing defense to a certain extent but it's also the level to which you're willing to go all the way on this thing and that was where your best player is doing that is a signal to everyone else. The other related story is, you know, they're out in Vegas during one of the summer leagues. They go out to Trist. They're staying at the wind. They're living, you know, it's, it's not too terrible life, although it is August, you know, it's August in Las Vegas. So it's like probably 112 out, but, uh, they're all coming back at 530. They're younger dudes, you know, early 20s. They're out. They're Team USA. You know, they're having a good time. They come back. It's 530. Kobe's on his way to the gym. 
And that was earlier where that was another signal, you know, so it started with the defensive intensity in the practice you were describing. Practice? Practice? We talked about practice? Practice. Then it went to working hard, even when they were coming back from the club, he's there doing it. Umbrella said, man, it's 4.30. That's too early for me. But, you know, I, I'll have a breakfast and see you guys later. <laughs> I'm shocked. Oh, were you shocked by that bike? But Carmelo's like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> Keep going. Yeah, but I mean, it's like that's that's to me the closest to Jordan. The way I understood Jordan's leadership on the Bulls, this was the closest I saw to that, except this was, you know, Jordan didn't really have to lead that way with the Dream Team, although he wound up rising to the top. Like there were a lot of older players at that point who were just kind of rolling. This was with young guys and he had to kind of show I am I'm the captain but I'm the captain, not because I give rah-rah speeches. I thought that was really interesting as well, where like he didn't really talk much at all. He's just the, he's the Black Mamba. He's silent assassin. But he did talk enough to say, here's how it's going to go down. What's interesting, if you look at the stats, you look at the numbers from 2008, and I want to get into LeBron last, you know, so that we get a chance to maybe close with that. The other guy to talk about, although we could go on, this this could be a multi-parter because there's a lot to talk about in here. The guy that I found was really interesting was Dwayne Wade and lessons learned from D Wade's sort of approach where he had to learn to adjust around the different personalities. Coach K saying that Mato Ginobili was the second best two guard of the time. And the fact that that incentivized D Wade, who was already willing to concede, okay, I'm going to give that to Kobe, but don't put Mano ahead of me in the pecking order the idea that you can get a d wade to fit and also the idea that he had the court awareness the the sense of himself to understand where he could provide them the greatest benefit he wound up being the leading scorer of the redeem team Mm -hmm. even though at times he was coming off the bench that to me is you know you're going up a level in terms of the pieces who are on the board and maybe Coach K was playing three-dimensional chess here, Tarlin. But but any thoughts on, on D-Wade? Yeah, couple, also, couple. also, you know, this did lay the foundation for taking his talents to South Beach. Yeah, it was foreshadowing. His talents were already at South Beach. They, um, they were coming. I'm hoping we get a chance to talk about the Banana Boat team in a minute. But again, we're... we're I don't know if we have time. It's a lot. It's a lot. About... But anyway, D-Wade. No, so it, it goes to show the way the team is constructed and they said it themselves. We don't care who the number one score is. It's just about winning the game. And Dwayne was coming off the bench and all coming off a down year the year before, separated shoulder and a knee scope. So they didn't even know if he was going to show up in time and in shape to play. And Colangelo, he had to even convince Colangelo and Coach K that he was ready, which he said is part of his own narrative where he was didn't think he was a top prospect coming out of school, fought yeah. his way through Marquette, and is just always sort of overcoming. So chip, I thought chip on it, chip on his shoulder. Absolutely. So he had his own. He's always feels like he is proving or redeeming himself. So there's a couple of things that I really take away. And I'm always trying to think about leadership and just how do you compare it to work? One, there's no one package of a leader. Kobe was the alpha and truly showed to be the true alpha as people would follow. But LeBron was a leader himself. LeBron is hyper communicative, is you know constantly telling jokes, 
And, and you can tell that he is really connected, can connect with everyone on the team. Kobe's not that way. He sort of leads by example. You can see even though he is not a raw-raw person, he has a mass, can still have a massive influence. So that was interesting to me. Mm-hmm. We already talked about having to humble yourself for the greater good. Yeah. And even though Dwayne was the leading scorer, he wasn't trying to be the leader. It just, yeah. that's the role he was playing. Mm-hmm. I loved thinking about these are the guys at the top of their sport that my wife will say the game looks too easy. And until she saw the recent Netflix series with Adam Sandler, where they're breaking down, saw it basketball broken down, she didn't realize how complicated and hard it is. Mm. So these guys were lifelong learners. Yeah. So willing to relearn something they've known it's natural to them. Yeah. Effort. So if you have effort, you can go far with talent. You can go so far, but effort with talent is unstoppable. Yeah. And when that clicks, when you can see it at work, you can see people are talented, but don't put like, they're just phoning in. You can see people are working really hard, but like you're going to, you're capped. But if you can get those two together, get the talent to buy into giving a little more than they got because it might be easy. That's it's unstoppable. And then the last one was culture. Yeah. And you, by the way, uh, are you providing a PowerPoint deck with this or is this uh, just freestyle? Okay. It's just freestyle. Yeah. <laughs> freestyle. Okay. Put in points. Do you want a two by two? <laughs> my two by two matrix will be. <laughs> but the last is culture. Yeah. So we run it back to the redeem team, but I'm thinking about today's game mm-hmm. and our culture was broken in 2004 mm-hmm. and it took three years for coach K Colangelo and that team to repair it. Mm-hmm. Let's look at the teams this year. Danny Ainge, GM, blew up the jazz. He came halfway through the year last year. When he got to the jazz, he said, it's a, it looked like a group of players that didn't believe in each other. Mm-hmm. And now the narrative was they didn't like show. No, they liked, he said they liked each other, but they didn't believe. He said, well, let's see it play out. And then they got blown out in the playoffs. Yeah. Granted, they traded Gobert and Mitchell, their yeah. point of the team, because everyone's trying to get to the Victor sweepstakes. But he now has a group of guys that actually are buying into something mm-hmm. and shockingly are foreign to. They're not going to finish that way. They're probably going to trade Mike Conley and Jordan Clarkson. I'm waiting for that to happen because I had Colin Sexton for a while on my fantasy team. But remember, we're not talking about my fantasy team. Yeah. There's a bus right now. So culture matters. Let's look at the Lakers. They're yeah. five. And why is anyone surprised? Palinka, who just got an extension, has constructed a team that they doesn't believe in each other, has toxic environment with Russ Westbrook. And you have guys that are also, you've constructed a team that they don't, they're not playing the, in the right roles. They're yeah. the worst shooting team right now in the league and possibly in NBA history. Yeah. So culture matters the nets they're massively dysfunctional yeah kd wanted to trade wanted to get rid of nash one of ben simmons is playing a role that he's he's a solid seven seven and seven guy and then you got kyrie who's trying to be the kanye of the nba <laughs> promoting anti-semitic yeah. movies right so culture matters and the last one is and it goes to point god and one of the banana boat guys in Chris yeah, Paul, yeah. the Suns, the regular season champs, eight games ahead of anyone else last year, imploded in the playoffs. The game seven was a disaster. And it was Play- a playoffs? Playoffs. It was a massive case of dysfunction and a cultural breakdown. So I took a lot as I, I took notes reading this, not only pulled in my heartstrings, seeing yeah, yeah. guys, seeing Kobe, 
and seeing Kobe, the way his intensity, the way he thinks about basketball and leadership, yeah. you can apply a lot of this to the current NBA and the way to look at it. And the, the only other team look at it is say, it, there may be just as dysfunctional as Golden State. And can they overcome something like a Draymond Green punching pool in the face? That's mm -hmm. fascinating. Three and two right now, but culture wins. Culture mm -hmm. wins. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. And and the idea that you can tap into these higher level cultures and that changes the way you think about what you can do when you go back to your regular life is something that does strike me about all these examples where coming out of 2008, the Redeem team, the way LeBron thought about talent and what he needed to win was very different than what he was seeing in Cleveland at the time. You could see how it was very formative to him. And then you look at the rosters, I would say also if you're a basketball fan, just browse the different rosters and get to know the U.S. men's basketball team, because that is where friendships are formed, relationships rise and fall, and frequently it sets the tone for the next 5, 10, 15 years in the NBA. Why I thought it was interesting here is that it's really the end of the run for the players in the Redeem team. Several of them are still playing, but they're all towards the end of their careers what's next and to me this reinforces david stern's vision and the original dream team's successful strategy to go global you look at Giannis, who he and his brothers alone are going to make greece someone to reckon with you look at luca making croatia maybe punch above its weight the international players are now the best players in the nba how is U.S. and how is our basketball program going to respond? How are we going to think about that moving forward? And then last but not least, the banana boat dynamics, the idea of who's the alpha, who's the top dog, who sits behind Gabrielle. It's Dwayne Wade, obviously. But then Chris Paul stuck between Dwayne Wade and LeBron on the banana boat. This idea of when you're in your head about pecking order, you're probably not going to win. Yep. Frequently, it just happens and leadership just happens. It's not because the alpha said to do X or the beta said to do Y or Kyrie, Dennis Rodman, the men who walk backwards. It's all about culture. Don't worry about where you fit in the pecking order. Lead if you're a leader. We're all leaders. Final thoughts, Tarlin, as we conclude. I want everyone to have a safe and happy Halloween. Palmer, I know you think you've aged out of it, but as long as your son is dressing up as Batman, you should be Robin. So I expect to see the costume yeah. and look forward to our next running it back. This was a fun topic because it could tie to the start of the NBA season and seeing some real stars behind the scenes. It was, it was fascinating. Awesome. All right, folks, subscribe, listen, tell your friends. We'll be back with more goodness coming soon. This is Running It Back.